Right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is episode 23, I believe, of the In The Clinch podcast with myself and my cousin, Benjamin. How are we doing, ladies and gents? <laughs> Me and Ben are both firmly in the closet right now. <laughs> Literally, not metaphorically, sitting in my cupboard in my uni accommodation because <laughs> we tried to record the podcast and the sound quality was just shit so we decided to move into the closet and uh, one day we'll come out but <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently this is an old trick of the trade uh, you sit in a cupboard and supposedly it improves the sound quality tenfold so and to be fair yeah. already like it does feel better yeah so, feels better to be in the closet, eh? <laughs> yeah, but proof, the proof will be in the pudding. Yeah, it will be. Um, so yeah, me and Ben have moved up to the north of England. Ben's in Leeds, but he's now currently in York with me. Uh, doing our first, first, well, second podcast together uh, in person, but first with microphones of our own. We finally figured out how to uh, how to get two mics working on a Mac at the same time. So, yeah, yeah like fucking IT nerds now as well, figured that out. So, yeah, we're gonna just talk about fucking UFC. So, last weekend we had a fight night, I think it was like Vegas something or other. Anthony Smith v Ryan Spam. Um, Anthony hey, put, put a microphone in the cupboard. Oh, yeah, no idea. That's not gonna make a difference. Yeah, yeah, so Anthony Smith. Yeah, that's making a difference. Um, Anthony Smith defeated Ryan Spann by Rene Choke in the first round. Um, what did you make of the performance, mate? Uh, it was a masterful performance from Lionheart. I think uh, I was guilty of not really respecting his skills enough, to be honest, man. Uh, and he proved me wrong because I thought Spann was going to knock him out. So, yeah, I, I hold my hand up as one of the Smith not haters, but certainly a doubter. But he uh, he proved me thoroughly wrong uh, this weekend with a a very definitive performance against Ryan, not so Superman Spanman. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Span must feel like a bit of an idiot now after talking all that shit and then getting choked out in the first round. Like he actually he didn't actually have a place. He had no right being in the octagon with him, to be honest. Like, Span got mashed up, really, on the feet as well. Smith, I think Smith dropped him, like, three times in the first round. And then uh, and then from there, just downhill, as soon as he was on the ground, Smith took his back beautifully quite a few times. Um, you know, his jiu-jitsu is so good, man. He really is. I'm really happy for him because I do think he's, like, incredibly well-rounded. They're a lot more well-rounded than people give him credit for. And he's so exciting. He gets so many finishes. I think he's had, I think he's had like 34 wins in the UFC and 32 stoppages, which is bonkers when you think about it in comparison to like the amount of fighters that get, the amount of fighters that just so many times get decision wins and stuff like that. He, uh, yeah, people need to put that respect back on his name because he is so good, man. Yeah. I, I <coughs> one one thing I really like about Anthony Smith is how honest he is. Uh, he's very, 
I guess this sounds so corny, but he's very like in touch with his emotions. Uh, like I remember him talking about his home invasion. Uh, that isn't spoken about enough. How literally yeah. some fucking crackhead <laughs> just broke into his house. Yeah, and Anthony Smith. Can you imagine? First of all, yeah, breaking into Anthony Smith's house, and then Anthony Smith. Imagine being Anthony Smith. You're lit. You're beating the shit out of this guy. You're literally pounding his face into the ground because you don't know, like, he's a crackhead who might, like, kill your family or something. And this guy just, like, isn't... He's just not responding. Like, he's just, he's just carrying on. Like, you're literally a trained killer. Like, you have the tools to kill someone. You're, like, the, bo- you're, like, the most well-equipped person for this situation. But this crackhead just, like, won't go away. And then, I think when when the police like finally come, the guy just looks in Auntie Smith's eyes, like face bloodied and battered, and just says sorry. Like what the fuck? Like I can't, no doubt. I'm not surprised at all that he was like a bit mentally, uh, I don't know, mentally scarred, but like that affected him massively. Like that's so scary. Yeah, that does sound like a pretty traumatic experience. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it just speaks to his mental fortitude now that he's still able to just go into MMA fights and do the do the business. You said it earlier as well, how, like um, in the the pod, well in the the full start that we had, that sometimes it doesn't benefit fighters to be angry, but angry Anthony Smith is a fucking machine. <laughs> oh, he certainly is. Yeah, <coughs> and you're right. That's another fascinating thing about fighting is like what motivates fighters. Some fighters are able to use anger to their benefit. Some it really plays with them and messes up their performances. So, yeah, so that's another in, super interesting aspect of fighting. <coughs> yeah, most certainly is, mate. Uh, so yeah, the card. To be honest, I reckon we just should just skip the rest of the card because it wasn't it delivered. But I don't think I think there's so much news this week. Like Ion Kuchalaba did well. Could could uh, could fight against Devin Clark. Devin Clark suffered a pretty disgusting injury where his front teeth kind of uh, kind of like bent inwards. It was very, very disgusting. Um, and yeah, quick shout out to um, Sarukian, who got another really good finish. He is a big, big problem. He's really crisp. His striking is really crisp. Um, and yeah, another shout out to uh, the Chinese guy, Zhu Rong, who is the first fighter to be born in the 2000s and to get a UFC TKO which is pretty crazy that's literally he's my age and he's had 21 fights and he's had a KO in the UFC so makes you think what have I done with my life yeah. I was saying earlier I've only just figured out how to use a toaster properly and I'm 23 so yeah yeah. Big shout out to Zhu Rong for getting a UFC knockout at the tender age of 21, was it? 21, yeah. 21. So, it's been quite a eventful week, to be honest, as weeks go. So, we're going to start with the news coming out of 1FC. We have, or, oh, we are getting the fight between Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and Rod Tang Jitmao Nong, who is a Muay Thai fighter 
largely renowned as one of the greatest Mai Tai fighters of all time. And at this greatest Mai Tai fighter as of right now too in the world. So people who don't know, Demetrius Johnson, literally like one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. Um, Mighty Mouse's nickname, Flyweight, just like this little black guy who is just unbelievable. So he put Flyweights on the map. If anyone hasn't seen his flying armbar on Ray Borg, look at that shit because it's unbelievable. So he's now fighting one FC. He was he went to one FC in a trade for Ben Askren, which he came to the UFC, and Demetrius Johnson, my mouse, went to one FC. So he's having a mixed rule bout with Rod Tang. So the first round is Muay Thai, the second round MMA, third round Muay Thai, and fourth round MMA. So. It, it, it's kind of it, it's incredibly fascinating like this I'm very very happy that they made this because as far as fights go <coughs> sorry as far as fights go this is probably one of the most fascinating fights ever made in my opinion I mean Muay Thai and MMA like where I guess the starting place would be Demetrius Johnson has the MMA advantage, right? If he can get it to round two, he's probably going to take Rod Tang down. However, if you're Rod Tang, I guess the strategy just has to be in that first round. You have to just do as much damage as humanly possible so that Mighty Mouse can't put his ground game on you in the second round because I feel like if it goes to the second round Mighty Mouse is just going to take him down and submit him mate it is a fascinating bout like Rod Tang as you said is one of the greatest Muay Thai fighters we've ever seen he's officially got 319 Muay Thai fights and over uh, over 250 wins he's an animal on the feet but I don't think he's ever had an MMA (coughs) fight Um, which is another just really interesting factor. Like the thing is, because they're starting like first round is Muay Thai. I'm just worried for Demetrius that his legs are gonna get kicked from beneath him, and then he's not gonna be able to implement the grappling. But do you not think that DJ has like he's a great striker though? So he's a great striker, a hundred percent. But with Rod Tang, you're talking about. Like a different level of striker, yeah. Um, but yeah, Demetrius might have good enough striking to sort of hold off Rod Tang for that first round, um, and then shut him down in the second with his his uh, his grappling ability. Uh, but yeah, it's it's such a such an anomaly of a fight. It really sticks out. Like mixed rules between rounds, like. The rules are changing as the fight's going on. That's pretty wild. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm very fascinated to see how it goes and how if it's if it can be a success. Um, two phenomenal fighters though. Uh, it's a bit like if if Connor and Mayweather were to do a mixed rules fight, first round boxing, second round MMA. 
Yeah. Third round boxing, fourth round MMA. Yeah. When you actually think about it. It's the same level of specialist. It um, is, but if that would happen, Connor would literally kill him in the second round. Yeah, I suppose in Muay Thai you have slightly more exchangeable skills, I don't know. Yeah, with um, MMA, definitely. But I, I'd be intrigued to see Rod Tang's uh, takedown defence because when I went yeah. to Thailand, it's like no one really grapples. Like a lot of a lot of Thai guys like almost look down on grappling. They don't even consider it. So uh, I'm thoroughly intrigued to see what his wrestling defence looks like. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. I guess if you're Rod Tang, you literally have, what, like three months to just take down defence as much as you possibly can. But if I, if I were to make a prediction now, I, would, I just think that <coughs> Mighty Mouse is going to survive the first round and then take him down and submit him. I just, I just can't see how... Unless, you know, Rod Tang... This is the thing, like, with Rod Tangs, are like, you have three minutes to just kill DJ. Like, literally, just kill him. You can, like, <clears throat> maybe throw, like, 50 leg... Like, not 50, but throw, like, seven leg kicks. And then, <clears throat> you know, like, faint a leg kick and go for a head kick or something. You just have to be really creative with your strike and try and get him out of there. Because I just think if it goes to the MMA round, then... He's gonna get taken down, and uh, and fucked. But go on. I would be, yeah. I, <coughs> you know, it'd be amazing if Demetrius just knocks him out in the first round. Yeah, it? Can you imagine? Uh, that'd be crazy. <coughs> in my titles, it's in one as well. So you imagine like a downward elbow or something, something fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, I'm really looking forward to that. That's gonna be unbelievable. Um, and also in the same card, I think it's like Glory's. One. Like Glory. Oh, sorry, yeah. One. It's like One FC's anniversary or something for some special event in Singapore. So it's a Gary Tonin's fighting for the featherweight belt uh, against someone. Ton Lee, mate. Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter alumni. Oh, really? Yeah, he was on. I think he was on Uriah Faber's team in the uh, Faber and McGregor Ultimate Fighter. See the guy who said he was going <coughs> to fuck that guy's off? No, 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 that's David Tamer. David Tamer. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Well, fuck your ass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, <clears throat> cool to see Gary Tonin actually having an MMA fight in one. No more, uh, no more grappling matches. So... <coughs> other news this week we have two absolute legends of the UFC and an MMA in general retiring in Joey Benavides Joey B and Carlos the natural born killer Condit and <clears throat> to be honest <coughs> I have to excuse our coughing as well both of us are slightly ill yeah, so Carlos Condit, Joey Benavidez, I'm not surprised at because the way he lost to Figgy was so brutal that I just, you could kind of tell that his heart wasn't in it anymore. Like Condit, man, like, he's one of the fighters you just think is never going to retire. 
But I'm happy to see that he has because, fuck, he's been in some wars. He's been in some wars. That fifth round against uh, Robbie Lawler, unbelievable. His knockout of uh, Dan Hardy, beautiful. His fight with Nick Diaz was sick. Um, yeah, what are your memories of the natural born killer? One memory that really sticks out is when he knocked GSP down with a yeah. some beautiful head kick. Uh, yeah, MBK, he natural born killer. That's a pretty perfect name to summarise Carlos Condit. Absolute savage. And yeah, he'll be sorely missed in the world of MMA. Yeah, he definitely will. He definitely will. So, what else has been going on this week? Couple fight announcements. Uh, we've got Izzy, Israel Adesanya, and Free Whitaker has been targeted for next January. And they're talking about the same on the same card having Cyril Garn fighting Garni, which would be it would be interesting because I just think they're both headliners. Like, who would be the co-main there? I'd guess Izzy because it's a lower weight, but I don't think either Izzy or Ngani would like to be the co-main event. And they're both such big stars that they kind of deserve to be the main event, eh? Yeah, I don't think Izzy cares. I think he'll happily be a five-round co-main for the belt. Um and he'll respect the fact that Ngannou's a heavier weight and historically yeah um, and also like he likes Ngannou they get along well both African champions African brothers I don't think that'll be too big of an issue for uh, old Izzy but yeah both bangers uh, two massive fights that I'm thoroughly looking forward to mate <coughs> yeah very much so and speaking of rematches, Moreno v Figgy, the trilogy, been booked for December. And that in itself is just such an intriguing fight. I know, I think we spoke a while ago mm. when Figgy beat him. No, sorry, when Moreno beat him. And you said you wouldn't really want to see a trilogy. I think that's what you said. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. But yeah. I, just, I just thought that you say you're Brandon Moreno. You're about to face this assassin. <laughs> Ironically using that term, because he is the assassin baby. But, yeah, you've got to fight this absolute fucking beast in Figueredo twice. You draw with him, and then you definitively beat him. You probably want to turn that page and fight someone new and different and prepare for a, a different challenge. But, yeah, I mean, from our perspective, it's... Like both fights were so entertaining. Like fuck it, it'll be it'll be good, it'll be sick. But I'd feel bad for Moreno if he's uh, to lose his belt to a fucking figgy. But no, it is. Um, it's still a, a fight that like everyone will look forward to and get on board with. That is kind of the thing. Is it? If if figgy beats him, then surely they'll want a piece and a draw. So we do number four or like. It's a bit peak if Moreno loses this. Um, but I guess it makes sense that they do number three. Because then you've got Garbrandt v. Cara France in what's kind of an unwanted contender fight. But then you've also got like Oscar Askarov coming up. Um, it's not really the strongest division, is it? No, nah, it's weird. You kind of just get pop-up stars here and there. 
And I, I guess they want Cody to challenge for the 125 belt because um, he is a star. But alas, it's going to be a wicked fight either way. Um, and I reckon I'm rooting for Marino just because I think he's such a cute, adorable little man who loves playing with Lego. And at the same time, is literally an assassin, baby. So, I think we'll probably just stop the news there and talk about UFC 266 and wrap this up because both of us are uh, slightly worse for wear today. <laughs> so, not the most uh, yeah. enthusiastic part. Yeah, I'm sorry about the, the energy levels on this pod. Like, I'm trying, but I'm yeah. fucking dying over here. Yeah, but <laughs> UFC 266 is so stacked actually so so stacked so we'll go from the bottom in the prelims somehow this is a prelim Dan Hooker v Nazareth uh, Harkrat Haskabrask how do you say it? <laughs> Nazareth 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 Haskabrask yeah yeah Hack Hack fuck me Nazareth Hack Parast yeah nice pronunciation you got it in the end uh, yeah, Hooker v Nazareth. That's a great, great fight. Good for Hooker. And Nazareth's a problem as well. It's just like, literally, we always see, like, lightweight is such a shark tank. A guy like Nazareth is actually, I think, going to cause problems for Hooker. I think what Hooker has in reach, Nazareth has in power. So, that's going to be a hell, hell of a scrap. And it's on the prelims. Fucking Nazareth, mate. Have you, has, it's pretty crazy. Hooker's last fight was a co-main event, and his fight before that was a main event, and now he's on the prelims, and he's not even headlining the prelims either. Pretty mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's is a bit odd. I uh, mean, I'm glad because like, it's kind of like a tune-up fight for him. Yeah. But there's no easy fights though. No, nah, especially not a lightweight. Especially not Nazareth. That guy is a fucking savage. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, headlining the prelims. Marlon Moraes against Marab Devashvili, which is, I'm so looking forward to this fight. It's so incredibly fascinating. Uh, see if Marlon can get back on. On a, on a on a roll really, get a win. I don't think I think he's lost his last three, and Marab is just looking better and better every fight. He's looking so good at the moment. His striking is coming on leaps and bounds. Training with. His guys over at um, Team Longo and Sarah, training with Aljamain Sterling, with Ally Quinter. Um, yeah, how do you see that one, guys? Because oh. I honestly think Marab has. Yeah, I, yeah. I can kind of just see Marab taking Marais down. Yeah. Doing what he's done in most of his other fights. Yeah. yeah. I just hope he kind of makes it a little bit more entertaining, throws a few more strikes. But now nah, he looks like a beast, Marab. Uh, but yeah, Marias is gonna have a lot to prove. Uh, Sandhagen murked him. He beat Jose Aldo, but a lot of people think Aldo beat him. Mm. He he was once one of the most feared guys in the division, and now he's kind of not so much. But nah, I I think what's interesting with this is that Marlon starts really strong. But then kind of falls off a bit. Whereas Marab is literally like a hundred miles an hour from the first minute to the last. So unless Marlon lands 
that blow, which he easily could, like his kicks are ferocious. I really only see Morab kind of dominating the fight, both on the ground and on the feet, to be honest. Um, if I were him, I think he's probably going to take him down for the first few rounds to tire him out. First round, at least, anyway. And then, yeah, put a pace on him. So, on to the main card. Jessica Andrade v. Cynthia... I cannot see her second name. Calvillo. Cynthia Calvillo. I thought that was a singer. That's why I didn't say Calvillo. But I'm thinking of... um. Some someone else. Don't worry. Yeah, Jessica and Daryl Sinvillo. I reckon Andraz is gonna ragdoll her. Um Curtis Blaze v Rosenstrike. That's a really interesting fight for the heavyweight division. But again I think Curtis Blades probably just gonna take Rosenstrike down and beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I guess we'll brush over the next fight it's not that big of a deal. Uh Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler. <laughs> I was literally just trying to get to that, eh? <laughs> the return of Nick Diaz after, would you believe it, 209 months. That is fucking mad. That is literally like, fate has a fucking weird way of working. 209 months after his last fight is his return. And for people who don't know, he's from Stockton, which is 209, like, uh, Sork. Bar, like barcode in America or like postcode or whatever uh, like such a strange coincidence um, how do you see this going because I see a lot of people saying that it's it's not going to be anything other than a barn burner and I just don't know if I agree I think it will be a great fight but there's also part of me that just thinks it's kind of two old guys one of which has lost his last four, and the other one hasn't fought in like six years. So, yeah, what what do you what do you reckon? Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I think people have I think people are suffering from like short term memory loss because, yeah, Robbie Lawler looked really unconvincing in his last fight and. I can remember. I can't even remember who who did he fight. Do you remember who Robbie Lawler fought? Yeah, Neil fight? Magny in his last fight. Neil Magny, yeah. Um, I think yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it looked thoroughly unconvincing, and I can remember thinking at the end of that fight, uh, it's probably you got to start saying that Robbie Lawler's probably past it now. Uh, but then in uh, Nick Diaz something of an unknown quantity uh, it's interesting that he got banned for like five years for marijuana use the ban got lifted but then he basically still served that sentence yeah that's strange isn't it? <clears throat> uh, but yeah it. I'm curious to see whether the time off not competing in serious fist fights having his head smashed in on a regular basis whether that could be a negative or a positive I, like, I feel like it there's a slim chance it might actually benefit Nick Diaz in some way. But at the same time, he is a lot older. He looks very well conditioned, I must say. Uh, so he could shock us and just put on a mad performance. But I guess the names is uh, Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler. It's like such a legendary fight within MMA history. And I think that itself will sell the fight. 
I, I just hope they're able to put on like a decent performance and it's not like a, a shit show of a fight. I don't think it will be. Mm. Well, excuse me. I don't think it will be a shit show of a fight, to be fair. I do think it will be... I don't think Nick Diaz would be coming back unless he knows he can beat. Just because why would he? He's been out for so long. But yeah, Robbie Lawler, man. It's, it's, it just makes me sad seeing Robbie Lawler lose so many fights. Because, again, he's like one of my favourite fighters back in the day. I remember so clearly seeing him uh, beat Rory McDonald and Carlos Condit as the champ. I remember how disappointed I was when Woodley knocked him out. But yeah, like you say, his fight with Nick Diaz is so iconic. But I just think this one is going to be so much more different that... I don't know, I just... I don't know. It's going to be very strange. I think we'll, we'll probably know like as soon as we see him walk out. It's going to feel amazing, but... Yeah, it's going to be very strange. But it's only good for the sport to have Nick Diaz back in it. And that's just a fact. The Diaz brothers are so infamous. It's literally only nothing but a good thing to have him back. Even if he looks past it because it will draw, get eyes onto the sport. And I think the UFC have pulled a bit of a master stroke as well by putting it on the card with Volkanovski and Ortega. Both of whom are to some people, you know, not the most known or marketable fighters, even though Volkanovski is more so than Ortega, even though Volkanovski is a champ. So I think they've done a good job of putting it on a, on the same card as, as, as Volkanovski and Ortega. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. As you say, they're not the most marketable guys. Um, even though they're on the Ultimate Fighter, they don't really... They're not big draws, they're not big pay-per-view draws, shall we say. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so then, before that, we got Valentina Shevchenko v. Lauren Murphy in the women's flyweight title fight. So two title fights on this card. And also it's worth mentioning that Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler is a five-round fight, which is, you know, again, like Nick, the Diaz brothers literally just get what they want. It's crazy that's five rounds, but, you know, I'm not complaining, it should be. Um, so yeah, Valentina Shevchenko with Lauren Murphy. I think Valentina Shevchenko is like a, or Lauren Murphy is like a minus 1400 underdog. So like, she's such an in, enormous underdog. And I can't see her winning. <sighs> Fuck, I'm sorry man, you won like four times. Yeah, I can't see Lauren Murphy win, or even getting close to Valentina Shevchenko, to be honest. Um, Shevchenko is just too good. But, there's every, I mean, she might, but I just I just can't see it happening. I'm going to call it now. <laughs> Lauren Murphy's going to win by third round, head kick, TKO. Nah, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Valentina's going to... Uh, I got you. Beat the fucking bricks off of uh, Lauren Murphy, Matt. Yeah, I do think she's probably just going to get her in the crucifix and then elbow the fuck out of her. Yeah. Similar to what she did to Andrade. And I'm here for it. Yeah, I am too. She is literally so good. It's a joy to watch her. She is unbelievable. So, last, but definitely not least, 
Alexander Volkanovski be Brian Ortega. Been waiting a bloody long time for this fight. They meant to fight in March this year, and then Volkanovski got COVID very badly. So he got postponed, and then they did the Ultimate Fighter. And here we are. It's, it's, it's a very, very intriguing fight. <coughs> I think it's going to play out to be a bit of a chess match, to be honest. I really do think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to take place on the ground, really, at all. I don't think Volkanovski is going to want to take or take it down. Because Ortega's jiu-jitsu is so good. And Volkanovski's wrestling is one of his strong points, so they're kind of cancel each other out. Which means it's going to, it's going to take place on the feet. So if I had to make a prediction, I would say that it's more likely going to be very similar to Volkanovski's fight with Holloway and just kind of be a striking battle where Volkanovski runs in and out and does a lot of damage to Ortega's legs and Ortega's going to keep his distance and try and attack him from range. But I don't think he'll be able to and I think Volkanovski is too hard to hit so I think Volkanovski's going to win a decision and that is my expert opinion and analysis and breakdown there. Yeah, I guess the key thing will be Ortega's striking as well though because saw such a marked improvement in his striking from the Holloway fight to the Korean zombie fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his stand-up against the Korean zombie looked phenomenal. So if he's able to make the same level of improvement um, from that fight to this one, it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, but, but yeah... Fucking Volk, mate. <laughs> He's an animal. Uh, fucking fully Volk, mate. Used to be, what, 200 pounds or something. He's yeah. fucking... Bit of a ridiculous guy. Uh, he's, yeah. such a, he's such a thick cunt. Like, it really upsets me that he's not more, you know, known, respected, whatever you want to call it, because he's literally, like, one of the coolest cunts in the UFC. Yeah, he is. <coughs> he is indeed, mate. <coughs> Uh, yeah, he's a fucking beast. His fight with Chad Mendes is one of my favourite fights ever. So, yeah. Yeah, word. Big up Volk. But he, I like Ortega as well, to be honest, man. They're both just they're sick fighters. I do too, but I, I just think, like, Volkanovski's literally on a 19th fight winning streak. But people don't recognise that because of the Holloway fights. So, you know, it's a bit... Um... But yeah, anyway, we're going to wrap it up here because this has not been a good podcast because we're both fairly ill and hanging and feeling quite rough and tired so yeah apologies everyone we'll do much better next week um hopefully however we are both doing going through freshers at the moment so no no guarantee that next week will be um <laughs> sizably better because if I'll if be we can produce 22 perfect podcasts yeah and every 23rd is like this you know what I'm happy with that. Yeah, that means... Uh, what What even is that? That's like... What? That's like 4% of our podcast. Two in every 46 pods is going to be fucking shit, but you know what? Yeah. We're producing some serious material for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you've stuck with us for this long, thank yeah, you. Yeah, trust me. If you actually listen to this whole thing, <laughs> you're... 
You're yeah. a fucking legend. I'll personally deliver a pizza to your house. Yeah. And uh, and we love you. So yeah, peace out everyone. Enjoy the fights. Nick Diaz, Army, Tory 9, Stockton motherfucker. Let's go. Fuck yeah.